Good morning. When Mr. Bilbo Baggins of Bag End announced that he would shortly be celebrating his 11th birthday with a party of special magnificence, there was much talk and excitement in Hobbiton. Now, for those of you who know Lord of the Rings, you know this is the start of that amazing trilogy. And perhaps for just a moment, your minds went to that world and Bag End and to that party, that wonderful party where they had those beautiful fireworks that was the start of this huge adventure. The reason that your mind can do that and go off to that place is because of the words that I just spoke that Tolkien had penned so long ago. Because words have the power to create worlds. And words have the power to change lives in big ways or in small. Another famous opening line for a book that changes lives is this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And it goes on, and it talks about the creation, as you all know. There was nothing and God made something. He made something out of nothing, and he did it by the power of his words. It goes on, and it's, and God said, and God said, and God said. A little later, we read in Genesis 1.26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish and the birds and the livestock. We are made in the image of God, and our words also have immense power. We have the power to change lives. We have the power to build up, to tear down, and we have the power to create a culture around us. And as we are looking at creating a kingdom, what is a kingdom culture? How are we using our words? And what culture are we creating around us? So let's pray this morning before we delve into that. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning after hearing a big warning on how we use our words Lord, this morning, the cry of our hearts as it's been throughout that worship time for me is that we want to live lives that are worthy of the gospel. So God, be with us this morning. Convict us. What do we need to do to live lives worthy of the gospel? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you this morning. Amen. So as we start a sermon based on a very grim warning to us, um, it's really important for us to understand the point of that warning. So in James, it actually tells us in the first chapter that the person who looks at Scripture and then acts accordingly in their own lives will be blessed. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want us to 
have a time of self-reflection like we do each week, but this time on how we use our words, how we communicate. And what I want us to do is go, what does scripture say and what am I really doing? And sometimes we tend to let ourselves off the hook with a lot of things. We say, oh no, that was justified. Oh no, I can do that. What I want us today is to be brutally honest with ourselves, to let the Holy Spirit come in afresh, convict us, but move us onto something amazing. And I hope that this morning we can come away being truly blessed from what we hear. So let's rip off that Band-Aid and get into it. Um, we see that James gives a warning, and he's giving us a warning at two different levels, isn't he? He, he talks about the corporate warning, and he talks about one of the images he gives is the boat with the rudder. Okay, so he says, you know, wherever the rudder steers, it turns the whole ship. Okay, so we know that he could be talking about, and he is, about someone speaking in front of a congregation of people, and the things that we teach set the course for how everybody else will act. Uh, it's a big responsibility, as he points out. But also he's talking on that individual level. He says that the tongue is a thing that will determine how the body acts. And so he's speaking very eloquently on two levels, us as a group and us as individuals something for us to consider. And then when he gives the warning, one of the warnings he says, he talks about the tongue as being setting a, like a forest fire. Now he uses this, it sounds so extreme. It's even more extreme because in the ancient world, fire was one of the most feared things because they didn't have all of the resources that we have in this day and age to fight those fires. So fires would rage and they could do little about it. So when he gives this warning, it's a huge warning, and he means it to be really epic because he is describing the power which our words have. And it's something for us to be thinking about all the time. What I say actually matters. Jesus said that if we entertain an evil thought, that that is sinful. But the next step is when we speak it out it can start a fire. It inflames. It just continues that sin and can set everything on fire. There's a lot of responsibility as people who can speak, isn't it, to think about what we say. So what we're going to do is get practical and talk about a few of those areas which it warns us about in Scripture. And if you go through Scripture, you will see a ton of areas, and it is impossible to cover it all in a sermon this morning. So I'm just going to choose a few to focus on. What I want to do, like James, I want to start big, paint the big picture, okay, and then we're going to get smaller. So when I was praying and reading about slander, it's the main one that James focuses on, it made me think, especially because I'm reading Bonhoeffer's biography, as I probably said to you a few weeks ago, um, it made me think about Nazi Germany, and it made me think about Rwanda and the power of words. Um, those two horrible, horrible tragedies in human history started because someone was slandering a race of people, making up lies, and people believed it. And as a result of those lies, millions of lives were lost. Many of those perpetrators, just like you guys, sat in church every Sunday, but still believed that what they were doing was right because they had believed the lies that people had given them. It's said in James, it talks about this, 
It said in 1.9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praising and cursing. And in those situations, maybe those Christians weren't the ones who were actually going out killing people, but maybe they were. It's something for us to think about. So that's definitely an extreme example. You're probably sitting in there thinking, well, I'm not an evil dictator, right? I'm never going to cause that much problem. Um, or I'm not in the trenches trying to stir up some political angst to get what I want. But I can tell you now that those atrocities didn't just happen. They started small. It could have started, and most likely did, in the lives of those who were the initiators. It would have started with a small child hearing negative things from his parents. Maybe he was clumsy, spilled something on the floor, and his parents said to him, oh, you've done it again. You're never going to amount to anything in this life if you don't start changing X, Y, Z. Maybe the person had tired parents who were, quite frankly, at their wit's end and turned around and said to this kid, you are so annoying. If I hear your voice one more time, I'm going to go mental. Just go away. Okay, I'm saying that with conviction because that came out of my mouth in the lockdown. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I'm a saint living with that man. Um, he got off light. Um, so the point is, we've all said words like that, haven't we? And they have an impact. We just pray that when we do it with our children, they don't. But what we need to do is, if we do that, pull ourselves back and go, what did I just say? God help me. Make me a better person. So if we keep going along this hypothetical, this kid's been, had these negative things said to him, he grows up, and maybe he's around some of his mates, and he hears people start talking. And maybe they're all sort of having a drink, just sitting around joking, and there's throwaway comments about, let's put it in New Zealand, bad drivers, dull bludgers, terrorists. These are conversations that you've probably been involved in in New Zealand over the years, even if you aren't the ones who are saying the things. You've probably heard it around you. But I can tell you that one more incident in the news or one more drink, someone in that group of people talking might be pushed to call someone a cockroach. And if you remember, that's the word that set off one of those atrocities. Somewhere along the lines, that smouldering evil, those smouldering words, caught a flame, and that's what happened. Our words have so much power, and it's our responsibility not only to not engage in those conversations, Okay, but to be the ones who put an end to it. And it's really hard when you're at a party or something and everyone's having a laugh and you're chatting about the terrible drivers um, that you've seen. God doesn't call us to just refrain from talking about that. You know, it's, kind of, it's this kind of law and grace thing, isn't it? Like the law says you shouldn't be doing this. But Jesus came and he said, it's not that we shouldn't be down here and it's not that we shouldn't be here. We've got to aim high. 
We have the responsibility that Jesus entrusted us of the gospel to show love and care and kindness and mercy and compassion. And part of that means we need to act. And we need to act for good and put a stop to evil. And we need to take that seriously. And sometimes, yes, you'll be the killjoy. Someone doesn't want to invite you back to the party because you're, you know, such a straight-laced person or whatever it is they accuse you of. But actually, that's who we are as Christians. We put a line down and we say, no more. I'm going to stand up and be counted as someone who spoke against this evil. And people will respect that. People respect that. Because it's our job to bring God's love to a fallen and broken world and do it with kindness and compassion. Now, this kindness and compassion and this not slandering starts at home, doesn't it? It starts at home. And there's this kind of universally accepted fact that family is something that we protect. You know, you don't speak bad of your family. You know, you keep it in-house. Family somehow have this special status because it's a place that we're nurtured. People protect us. It's a place where we are safe. Well, the church is a family. And we may not act like it, but we need to. If we're trying to establish a kingdom culture here, we need to take that seriously and start treating all the people that you see here as your family with the same respect and with the same protection and nurture as you would with your own immediate family. Family is precious. And sure, there's always those people who irritate the heck out of us isn't there in church and the first thing we want to do when we walk out that door is be like oh my goodness did you hear Steve again banging on about church finances or about how the music's too loud like whatever it is I could list like a hundred examples there I'm restraining myself because I've heard it all before and I've been the one who's been wanting to say all those things as well but the thing is Steve's still family Steve is someone who we should respect and we shouldn't be slagging off behind his back. If you've got a serious problem, talk to Steve. You know, let's work it out. But we don't go around slagging Steve off. We've got to love Steve. Another area, moving quickly now, is gossip. The sick cousin of slander is gossip. Oh, did you see Karen the other day at her exercise class? Oh my goodness, she was up the front flirting with the instructor so bad. It was so embarrassing. I feel so sorry for her husband. Okay. So wrong. (laughs) Karen may just want a break from the family and she's gone to exercise. And Karen's just a friendly person. She's just gone and talked to the instructor as she talks with everyone and some complaining old gossip is then saying, oh, you know, this is what she did. Not helpful for Karen at all, is it? Or perhaps Karen's having a really hard time in her marriage and she is flirting with the instructor. Is it helpful that someone's passing that around to people in the church? It is not. What would be more helpful, right, is to go to Karen and say, hey, Karen, how are things? And then maybe Karen will open up and they'll be able to sort that out. And that is life-giving and empowering. That is what we need to be doing. No gossip. And in churches, I'm sure you've heard it before, that whole, oh, oh, you saw Karen the other day. How's she doing? I just want an update so I can pray for her. You know, 
We're so concerned as Christians, aren't we, that we need to know every action of Karen in order to be able to pray for her, especially when she's doing inappropriate things. But the truth is we need to actually stop that in conversation, stop it dead, and say, actually, if you want to know how Karen is, you need to go and talk to Karen, okay? We don't pass that kind of thing on because it's an unsafe place when people feel that they're being talked about behind their backs. But negativity isn't just gossip or slander. It's complaining as well. Um, You go along to your small group, right? And this happens at so many times throughout all the years. Someone starts off and says, oh my goodness, on Sunday, did you hear the music? And boom, like a wildfire in your group. Oh, I know, isn't it terrible? It was too loud, too quiet, too traditional, too modern, whatever it is, too long, too short, okay? It's always going to be something. And that also is so unhelpful. It derails a whole small group, right? Like the whole rest of the time. You spend half an hour talking about the worship music and like 10 minutes left for your Bible study or something because you've spent the whole time moaning. Well, (laughs) it's interesting, actually. Nairi gave me this email the other day with a little smiley face on it. And she said it was, you know, as a sense of humor thing. And it was a meeting that had happened in the 90s in this church arguing about the worship music, and it's the exact arguments we still have today. Um, (laughs) It gave me a little laugh. It has been going on for many, many years, and I bet 200 years ago, 300, 400, you'd have the same arguments because everybody thinks that their way of doing things is right. We are self-centered people. And whether it's the way we were brought up, whether it's another church down the roads doing it this way, and that's definitely the best way, we all think we're right. And so then we think we're justified in our complaining and we recruit more people. But the truth is, it's really hard to get worship right on a Sunday, right. You know, we all think we want it our way. And constantly we're trying to balance up people's preferences in, you know, from this part of the church or this part of the church and balancing the preferences of the people who haven't even come in the church yet. Um, and sometimes um, we're trying to balance what God's challenging us in. You know, is there something that we actually all agree on, but it's become idolatrous and we have to change it because it's not healthy for us? Or is it that there's growth that happens in discomfort? So when you realize that something isn't the way you want it, but you know that that might be the way somebody else wants it, there can be growth in that. In that humility, we can grow. It says in 2 Philippians, uh, in Philippians 2, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So, no complaining. If you've got a real complaint, come and see Chris and I. Don't bury it. But a lot of the time, we think something's a massive issue. And actually, if we get perspective, yeah, it actually doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. We need to let that go. We talk to Jesus about it and then let it go. That is what a healthy church is like. 
So in those readings that Jacob read out, so many more things. Um, God may be speaking to you, but I won't be speaking to you about them this morning. So like filthy talking, talking about topics that are inappropriate in a way that's inappropriate. Offensive language. Are we pushing people away with the way that we speak? Um, All of these things, even how we deal with our anger, even righteous anger, what's the best way to express that? Because even if you you have righteous anger, you are justified, sometimes the way we deliver that is actually really unhelpful and can tear down. What is the best way that we can share what we're feeling with others? In all these things, we need self-restraint and we need wisdom. And, And hoping that the way that we speak won't let a forest fire start from the little thing that we have said. But now, I don't want to keep drilling on the negative. I could go on for a long, long time, but I'm not going to because I want to give you something great to take away, something great to focus on this morning. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and live life to the fullest. Come to me, all who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Love as I have loved you. Our words can destroy like a fire, but they can also nurture and build up. They can bring life and hope to people who desperately need it. What if we took on the mandate to speak positively in here and out there? Imagine the difference we could make. What if with our words we made the active effort to share love, to be freeing to people, to let people be themselves. They don't have to keep up a facade because we've let them be themselves. How about we empower with our words and we show kindness and compassion? God doesn't want us to not be bad. Hold on. (laughs) He doesn't want us to just not be bad. He wants us to help each other to flourish in here and out there. And that's exactly what I think that we can do. I don't know if you've seen the movie The Help in 2011, um, and it has this beautiful scene over and over where um, this lady says to this little girl, um, the black nanny says to this little white girl that she's nannying, despite all of the racism that she's facing, she says to her, and I'm sure if you've seen this, you will remember, you is good, you is smart, you is important. And that almost brought me to tears when I saw it, It's exactly what we need to be saying to one another, not just to our kids, but to each other. I was thinking about how my kids come in and they've got some artwork, and it's clearly average, you know. (laughs) I say average because it's probably less than average. It's the little kids done it, you know, but what do we say? Do we just go, oh, that's crap? No, we don't, right? There we go. So what do you say, Marianne? You say, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I love the color you've used here and everywhere. Now it's brown. You know, but you, you find interesting things to say, don't you? And you, you, you make that kid, they get it up there. It could be the worst picture in the world. And they're just like, oh, yay, you know, and they trot off. But we forget that when we're adults, sometimes we need a little bit the same nurture, don't we? And imagine if when the worship team came up each week, you know, and say they hadn't done their best, but you stand up and you have something great to say to them. It will make them feel so much better, you know? 
oh, that wasn't, you know, that it's, sometimes it's not the best sermon you've ever heard. But what if you went, you know, hey, I really loved it when you said this. You know, and the same can be said of every aspect of the church. There's always something good to say. And we can choose to say that rather than to say the negative or sometimes the obvious. We choose what we say. What we want to do is we want to focus on the positive, okay? So wouldn't it be amazing, just imagine, if we accepted the fact that this church will never be exactly what you want it to be. Things are never going to be done the way exactly you want them to be done, and that's okay, you know, because it can't. It's impossible to have the perfect church. And imagine if we just went through and we focused, we made that effort to focus on the positive, and we kept talking about it, and we talk about the positives. Hey, wasn't that a great whatever today? I love it how, you know, Steve always says something kind or profound or whatever Steve does. You know, what if we focus on the positive and we choose to just let go of that negative? Things would be so different. You know, I'm not saying everyone here complains or anything. Actually, it's a really healthy church. But we can always be better. And I think each of us does focus on the negative. It's our human nature to focus on the negative. But what if we just decided to focus on the positive and to speak it out? Imagine hearing Christians who were so positive about their church. It really, really would make a difference. Um, I saw an ad on Netflix for the Umbrella Academy and looked at it and went, I would never watch that program. Someone on Facebook recommended it. I had a go, loved it. Okay, very trivial small thing. Church is not a trivial small thing. But imagine if we went round because we enjoyed each other so much because we're so positive and kind and loving and awesome and we're empowering each other and building each other up. And then we went and shared that with other people and we chose to only speak of the positive. Man, we would have a church full of people, like straight up. If people recommend something so highly, People give it a go. We could be that church. We could be those people. And we could be so much more effective in living out the great commandment if we choose to be positive. So what I want us to do, I want us to make that effort to choose to encourage, to choose to bless, not only to restrain ourselves from being negative, but to really put ourselves out there and make an effort to say the kind, positive things. Sometimes it's not even words at all, it's actions. But for us to, to start to do that, to make this place flourishing and kind and amazing, we can do this. And imagine when you get a word from somebody, you know, you have a bad day and someone says something horrible to you. But imagine on Sunday you come to church and someone replaces that horribleness with something amazing to say about you. Imagine that. Imagine that little child who's had something negative said and then comes to Sunday school and the teachers say something that's so on point because they're in tune with the Spirit because they're free and they've decided to open themselves up. They share that with that child and that child no longer has to be doomed to hearing only that negativity. It is so life-changing, and we have the decision to make to be like that.
But imagine if it's not just in church. Imagine if that spreads. Imagine if you are the person who can say the life-giving thing to somebody at a time of their need who isn't Christian. So say there's, you know, meetings at work or whatever, and someone always is there to kind of check that someone's okay who might have been given a bollocking by the boss or whatever it is. And you go up to that person one day and you say, look, I notice how you always make sure that people are okay after the meeting, and I really appreciate how kind you are. That can just hit people right in the heart. You know, it can really build them up. And in turn, hopefully, when we do that, we can heal people. We can remove the barrier that they have from committing to a relationship with God or entering that relationship. Maybe that'll bring people to church, but it can certainly do the healing work that Christ wants us to do in others. But all of this starts from the inside, doesn't it? Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm sure that's actually all through the Bible and the Psalms as well. We need to be close to God. We need to be working on our relationships with God. And most of all, we need to have that freedom with God to let God work in us, to heal the past brokenness, the hurts, to reverse all of those negative things that we've heard in our lives. We need to let the Holy Spirit enter in and deal with those things so that then as we are dealing with that, we can then share the positive life-giving things with others. So I wonder today, when we talk to ourselves, are we using kind words? You know, people often say this, are you being kind to yourself? And it sounds cliche, but it is so true. Are we speaking the way that Christ would speak to us, to ourselves? It starts with us. Out of a heart right with God and overflowing with his love and grace, positivity and empowering words can flow and healing can happen. So this morning, as we finish up, I want us to take time to pray, to ask God, is there anything inside of me that is helping me to hold on to negativity, that is helping me to hold on to this evil that I speak out from time to time? What is it that God needs to do in us in order to help us to move into that positive space? And then after we've done that, I'm going to ask the people who were on um, collection this morning to hand out a piece of paper. And I want us to write down something encouraging to give to somebody else in the congregation. It's a small thing. You know, it's free to say nice things to people, and it has such a huge impact. It's free. There's like no impediment to doing it. Um, what I want us to do is to write that down, give it to somebody, and then I want you to make an effort that this isn't just a one-off thing, that each week you come along and you say, I'm going to say one really amazing thing at least. You can say a million, that's great. Um, but one thing, I'm going to make that effort to really build someone up today. And I want us to create a culture, a kingdom culture here that enables us to flourish, that then in turn will enable people out there to want to come in and they too can be nurtured in this beautiful environment that we create. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. We're going to do that. We're going to pray, open ourselves to God, and I'm just going to lead us in prayer as we do. Heavenly Father, 
We come here this morning heeding your warning that you give to us in that book of James. Lord, we want our church to really emanate your kingdom culture. We want to be a place where people can flourish. We want to be a place where people are safe and people are empowered and people are healed and freed. And God, this morning, each one of us, we want to be open to you. Heal the things that we need healed. Transform in us the things that we need transformed. If we need to go outside and talk to somebody, then let us know what the first steps are that we need to get towards our healing so that, Lord, we can be agents of healing to one another. Amen.